DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Mike, good morning. Good morning, guys. Nice, nice weather we're having. Well, at least it's not snowing on our cars today. We're going to dig out after the show. So, you know, that's a positive. <laughs> True. Take True. that. Yeah. So the Utah Jazz are in Portland to play the Blazers, who are shorthanded. And when the Jazz go on the road, they seem like the T's get crossed, the I's get dotted. They do the little things and they win. At home seems to be where the problems are happening. So do you have uh, many worries and concerns going into this game, especially with the Blazers missing six or seven guys? No, I I mean, I don't, other than you're on the road and, you know, it's just the inevitability of maybe not bringing your best, but it sure seems like they've been doing that. Seven road wins in a row, and gosh, Portland has really struggled of late, too, right? Even though they got off to that unbelievable start at home, I think they've lost seven of their last eight, and you mentioned the guys that are out. Uh, I don't think it's determined yet if any of those guys return back from health and safety protocol, meaning Nurkic or, or Covington. or uh, That's the biggest issue tonight for Portland, is that even though Dame Lillard has started to play lights out of late and like to the tune of 35 a game the last four, they just don't have any size. With Nurkic out, I think their biggest guy the other night was Larry Nance at six foot eight. And that's going to present a problem with Whiteside and Gobert roaming free. And uh, I think even Chauncey Billups is out, the coach. So you got Scotty Brooks, who's taken the thunder to the NBA Finals, kind of acting as interim head coach. But, man, their size deficiency down low will really be an issue. Uh, Porzingis lit them up in their last ballgame for 34. So that would be like the biggest thing that you'd look at. And I'm really impressed with the way the Jazz play. You mentioned their road focus. It does seem like their, you know, that focus seems to heighten and gets better. And they've been delivering on the road. So let's see if they can keep it going. Mitchell's out, obviously, the other night. And what we've seen guys do, particularly Ingles, step up his game big time, scored 17 points as they get contributions. It seems like, oh, okay, they're certainly aware. Our leading scorer, our best offensive player is out. So I need to do, we need to do, and then they do it, and they have a you know fairly comfortable win. My, my thought for you, do you yeah. see a way going forward is any way that they can get – an increased performance from Ingles or whomever, even with Donovan there, that it doesn't take a starter out for other guys to contribute more. Get them to contribute more when all the players are there, because if they can do that, that would make your team that much better. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, in a in a, in a perfect world, right, you'd get those kind of contributions from everybody on a given night and for whatever reason. Joe has not been his best uh, this year coming off last year where <clears throat> I thought he was unbelievable, right? Average 12.1. It was consistent home and road. It was consistent wins and losses. He shot lights out. He nearly had a 50-40, 90-year shooting. Uh, his 844% from the foul line was his highest ever, but 45% from three was lights out. 
And so he's at 39% this year. He's at 43% from the field. That's down. For whatever reason, um, it's true. He hasn't been able to find that same groove when everybody's been intact. But he seems to rise to the occasion. So, like, they thrust him in the starting lineup. He makes four threes and comes up with 17 points, three rebounds, three assists. There's nothing you would say he doesn't do when there's a little bit more room to operate. And I think Quinn has him in the right place, right? He's got him coming off the bench and still plays that same role of playmaker. But I just think guys are defending Joe differently this year. I think people are realizing defensively, like look at the teams the Jazz had trouble with, like Chicago early on and Memphis got them at home. And even even New Orleans just on a, you know, they didn't have Zion, so they figured let's just get into the Jazz and pick them up early and force different actions. Um all they did it the other night against against Bogey. They, they figured Bogey's the hottest shooter on the planet, which he really was, right? He'd made 53 of his previous 106 going into last night's game. And so the Spurs just got into him and said, you're not going to shoot any threes. And as it was, he only makes one. But he finishes with 19, and he, he, he learns how to, you know, drive the basketball against pressure. They're into his face. They're guarding him closer, closely. They're, they're over-closing out. And so all of a sudden, he decides to go to the hoop and, and does a really, like I thought, nice job. Made six of nine two-pointers. And I think the same is true of Joe. They're, they're realizing, okay, this guy's 34, and he's super clever. The two things we can't let him do is turn the corner left and have an open shot. And so guys are laying on his left hand. They're not letting him turn that corner left as much as he'd like. When he does, we know it's either the slow-mo layup or a beautiful little bounce pass to Rudy. And then, of course, if you give him time, he's going to knock down shots. So uh, I don't know, PK, if it's so much the lineup and, you know, not enough basketballs for, like, the scores the Jazz have. I think it's more to do with the way people are trying to play the Jazz, right? The the script was set a year ago in the playoffs. If you can throw a curveball at the Jazz, maybe they won't react as well with what the Clippers did in the the second round of the playoffs. So we've seen a variety of those type of defenses. You've seen little zones thrown at them. You've seen traps and certainly different schemes to, say, take away a bogey three or take away a Joe drive. But in the end, you know, the Jazz are 24-9 because they got great depth and a really good scheme. Mike Smith joining us, Jazz Studio uh, Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. I, I do think there is something with Joe just playing more. Donovan's getting 20 shots a night, uh, which, you know, the way he scores, everybody gets that. But when he's out, there's just so many more opportunities. This is only the third time this year Joe's played 30 minutes. It's only the third time this year he's taken 10 shots in a game. If there was anything right. to cure, it's there's so many nights where he only gets four, five, or six shots. He only makes one. And I haven't charted it, but I assume David Locke has, and I'm sure Quinn has. 
or Quinn's got people who do it. But, you know, does Joe, what does Joe shoot on his first three or four shots in the game versus what does he shoot when he's taking his seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth shot and he's really into a game? So uh, maybe there's a little something to that. I, I do like what you said about Bogey, and I didn't think he was the only one. I thought the Jazz were really focused on getting to the hoop and getting shots inside of five feet. And some were dunks in traffic, some were uncontested layups and dunks, some were, you know, Jordan Clarkson pump faking off two feet and getting a three-point play. But there were just a lot of shots around the hoop, and I'm thinking they're just going to double down on that tonight against Portland, aren't they? Yeah, probably. And I think it's all predicated on how a team defends them, right? When you you get these teams that are into them and, you know, over-closing out, which is really a jazz defensive scheme, right? When you have a Rudy Gobert and a white side underneath, you can overclose out. You can, you know, by that I mean really run at three-point shooters and run them off the spots. And, I mean, the Jazz only allow 11-3, so, which is this unbelievable, unbelievable dichotomy between how many they make and how many they give up, right? They start every game like a plus four and a half from the three-point line. So that's like, you know, 15 points almost. So they're great at that. And I think you're right, DJ, because, I mean, they're number one in the league in two-point shooting. So not just three-point makes and, you know, not top five and three-point percentage. They're number two overall, speaking of the Jazz, in overall field goal percentage, but they're number one in two-point shooting. And, of course, if you combine free throws, threes and twos, they're number one again. So you could argue they're the best shooting team in the league collectively. And, uh, yeah, teams are trying to stop them and say, hey, this is their calling card. we got to get them to drive. I think they were 30 of 50, gosh, maybe 55 on two-pointers against San Antonio. That's just, that's awesome. Like you're shooting 55 to 60% on your twos, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And listen, I think not to be overlooked in their offensive schemes is the calming presence of a Mike Conley. Uh, I just looked up, I think he has... 36 assists and six turnovers in the last, you know, call it eight games, six to one, you know, would lead the league in any season, not just, you know, not just right now. So Mike is just having a fantastic year at age 34. I also think having a fantastic year is Whiteside, and the thing about it, I didn't know what to expect from him, and I have been pleasantly surprised. Are you surprised? I am. I am. You're talking about a guy who's, you know, bounced around, right? Uh, uh, anytime you see a guy who's played on a lot of teams, and and in his words, he would say he got COVID, you know, last year and, and never – really was able to be what he wanted to be in Sacramento. He had that one terrific, amazing year in Miami when he emerged on the scene. And, of course, uh, from there has, you know, it was Sacramento first, Miami, Portland, sack again before he comes to the Jazz. But I'm totally surprised. And you take his per 36 numbers, guys. So that's like he only plays – 16, 17 minutes a game, but you know, you multiply it to a 36 minute game, he averages like 18, 16, and three and a half blocks. So production is his middle name right now. He comes in and it's it's the Jazz are tough to game plan for. It's why they're a great regular season team, right? They defend, 
They have shot blockers. Now they have two when Rudy's out. So the schemes don't change at all when he comes out. Last year they did change a little bit. And, you know, of course they shoot and they got this great offense and multiple weapons and all that. It's tough. In the regular season, speaking, you know, from a player's perspective, when you're, you know, every other day getting a new scouting report to read and, you know, okay, here's what you do tonight, but here's not what you do, you know, tonight, Portland's got to be saying, okay, Dallas has no shot blocking presence, so go attack the rim. Now, the next night, Scotty Brooks and, and uh, you know, Chauncey Billups by way of how he's going to communicate during this time, you know, what are they telling them? You know, hey, the Jazz are going to run you off the line, and even though we don't shoot a lot of pull-up twos, uh, maybe you better think about it. I go back, guys, to the game that Portland played in Utah, and they held Lillard to like one three-ball and four for twelve overall, eleven points. Has to be Lillard's worst game of the season. I counted at least six times Lillard got by his guy, got into the lane, and didn't shoot it. Like he was there. And thinking runner, floater, layup, which Lillard gets three, four layups a game, he didn't even attempt them. He's like kind of dribbling through there like Steve Nash, like keep my dribble alive, let me circle around again, see what else comes up. Because Rudy discourages a lot of those plays. Mike Smith joining us right now, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, the Jazz are now 12-2 and in the last 14 games, but there have been some wins over lower-level teams that have been close, and there are two losses, which I think Jazz fans think they could win, although I don't know that you should order up 14-game win streaks routinely and take them for granted. So do you look more and think, hey, they won a 12 out of 14, they're in a pretty good stretch right here, or do you think, yeah, they won 12 out of 14, but they clearly have stuff to fix and are not playing their best basketball. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm more I'm more of the Quinn mentality, right? Like I, uh, I I would demand perfection, and I would I would take the winning games and show them film and video of what went right and what went wrong in the winning games. And I like to teach from a perspective of positive, like, okay, hey, here's what we did wrong. But, you know, we, we got it. Like, it's easy to pinpoint what went wrong in, like, the New Orleans and Memphis losses at the buzzer. They were poor shots at the end. There were turnovers at the end. And I think they thought those games were going to win. But even, even like a San Antonio game that they lost at home. So you're right, 12 out of 14. I think they've won 15 out of 19. So the four losses are all at home, right? The Memphis and New Orleans buzzer beaters and then San Antonio clipped them recently and I think Washington got them at home the same Washington team they beat by 30 in Washington the week before in each of those four games the one common denominator is they gave life to the opponent like so these, these are all opponents who either came in struggling and you know just weren't playing great Memphis then when they quit the Jazz were not the Memphis that right now is one what, 12 out of 16 games and, you know, just beat Phoenix and Phoenix. It wasn't that team. And the Jazz had them and had big leads and the same. They had a 17-point lead on San Antonio. But they gave them life. In other words, you could look at a San Antonio game where the Spurs outscored them 41-23 in the third, and you were like, gosh, you just came out of the locker room complacent. But what I saw in that game was a 36-point first quarter from San Antonio. 
you know, a team that doesn't score like that, and, you know, they score 105 a game, but all of a sudden, boom, you know, even though the Jazz led 37-36, it was like, you gave them life. You gave them hope. So more than anything, you could pinpoint all the little turnovers and things, mistakes down the stretch that I think they're starting to rectify. And they've been much better in close games, whether it's a good opponent or a bad opponent. Um, but there, there have been those moments when you just give somebody a little bit of hope, and especially your sub-500 teams, you never want to do that. You want to get them down early and stay on them. And easier said than done, right? It's a long season. And you're going to have lulls and moments where your focus is not great. I'll tell you what, guys, the next, what, 18 games, 12 on the road, this month of January will define them. They're going to play Phoenix twice, Golden State twice, Denver twice, Memphis, the Lakers. This is going to be a great stretch, not only a great stretch for us, to call the games. By the way, Bowler and I are on the call tonight, which will be a blast working with him. But this month is going to be just a blast to see how they react to this kind of competition and two-thirds of the games on the road. I got to thank you for getting a lemma to say the name that I asked you to say of this uh, singer from Hawaii. <laughs> I thought you forgot. Brada, Brada Israel? <laughs> No, I didn't forget. Why did I forget, man? We talked oh, about we it. Not, it's, it been, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked. So but Mike, like, right. Mike, we not only didn't forget, I recorded the game and sent the audio to Jake so that when you came back on, he could play it again. You got it? Jake almost has it. He's searching for it in a file, and he just pounded the table because now he can't find it. Have you got it? Because because you prompted him just right, and Lemma just he sees the moment, <laughs> and it won't load. And now Jake is so frustrated with technology; he is so irritated. You got it, Jake? Here's the moment. Yay. This is Izumi for me. You got somebody? No, but you make the Hawaiian reference, right? Yeah. To your upbringing. Yes. And I'm thinking of how the jazz offense is rolling, that they're shooting from outside is velvety and smooth. Mm-hmm. Who's this guy Breda is? Breda is? Yeah. How do you pronounce Israel his last name? Israel Kamaka Vivoli. That guy. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you walked him right up there and he took it. I had to, I had to tell him afterwards because he was like, where did he come up with a brother? His reference. And I go, you know, my, my, all my vacations in Hawaii as a kid, you know, going to the little lounge in Waikiki. He's like, shut up. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> and he says it in a manner that only he could say it, not us white guys. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, but you, you yeah. can't yeah. even get real Kamaka Viva Ole. Kamaka Viva Ole. That's so impressive. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> All right, we'll have fun tonight on the call. Now, do you do the pre and the post when you do the game? Is it three straight hours of you? Because that's a half an hour yeah. on either end of a two, two and a half hour game. Yeah, you say that. You say that like that's going to be an unfortunate thing for the listeners. But no, I was um, thinking more about how much. The problem is, here's what happens behind the scenes: you talk that much, your mouth gets dry. 
you got to drink water or you're really going to seize up. But if you drink too much water, you're going to have to take the headset off and leave Bowler for three minutes while you go to the bathroom. you got all yeah. kinds of dilemmas out there if you're going to talk for three and a half straight hours. Definite, definite occupational hazard. And I don't... Yes. The, the short answer is yes. I'm, I'm on with a limo before the game, then I'll run over to the other side and, and do the game with Bowler, and then I think I'll run back after the game and do the post game with, uh, with the A-train, as I like to call them. But I, you guys know. You guys sit there for a long time. I don't know how close your bathroom is to where you guys are. But, close. <laughs> uh, as a broadcaster, you... It becomes like a skill. You like develop an ability to hold things for long periods of time. I, 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 I don't know what it is, but when I sit down, I don't think about that. And so maybe I'm lucky. Mental toughness. <laughs> That's the key, Mike. Mental toughness. <laughs> All right, Mike, hey, we appreciate uh, the time. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Uh, I say victory number eight in a row on the road, so we'll see. All right, it's Portland tonight. 8 o'clock is the tip time tonight. Pre-game show will start at 7.30 on TV. Jazz game night, the pre-game show will start at 7 o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network. They'll tip it off at 8, and the Blazers are shorthanded. No Nurkic tonight. It'll be a, uh, it'll be a smaller team and another half dozen guys who are expected to be out tonight. So the Blazers are, are going to be uh, shorthanded with a lot of guys in the COVID protocol. Uh, Nurkic is the big name, but uh, Cody Zeller, Robert Covington, Trent Brendan Watford, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore, Kelgen Blevins. It's a long list. And, and their coach, Chauncey Billups, as well. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next. Everything you missed in today's show will get you up to speed. All the stuff Matt Brown, Ohio State grad and publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and co- college athletics. All the stuff Matt had to say about the Rose Bowl. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. I wasn't a guy when I was coaching to say, I want to get out. I want to be a broadcaster. Good afternoon, everyone. Dick Stockton with John Madden. I'm Vin Scully along with John Madden. But I knew after I did the first couple games that that's what I wanted to do. This is it. There's a lot of kids that have learned football by playing the Madden game where they'll say, you know, we ought to do it like they do it in the video game. And I'm thinking, holy moly, what a change. You know, it's okay to say, what are you doing? I'm going to go play Madden. John Madden passing away at the age of 85. Super Bowl winning coach, broadcaster, Hall of Famer, and of course, the video game. Time to get you up to speed on everything we've talked about during today's show. And it is all brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. PK, we had Matt Brown on earlier today, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad. He analyzed the Rose Bowl for us. What did he say that really stuck with you? Oh, Utes are going to win by 30. He didn't say that. Just got this in. This is as fresh as could possibly be. Ohio State's practice time has been moved up to 11.45 a.m. So they're... 
everyone says anxious, but that's a misusage. They're eager to get on the practice field, so they're moving it up. 11.45 today. So if you want to be out there, you need to be uh, getting there a little earlier. Good to know. Yeah. They give me updates, and they come on your phone. It's a press pass notification. Just came right now, this very minute. And that's why you need to listen to us. We give you news that just as it literally happens. And they had some media availability today. Devin Lloyd, uh, the quarterback for Ohio State, calling him all-world. All-world. Is it getting better than that? Well, I, I don't know. But, you know, what do you believe in in extraterrestrial life? I mean, what do you guys believe on that stuff? All-universe. I mean, do you believe that there's life out there beyond us? Intergalactic. Yeah, so give me just a little synopsis of your faith's beliefs on that. Yuck. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't have a faith? <laughs> Come on, DJ. Fess up. <laughs> you're an atheist here? Is that what you're telling me? You don't have a faith? That's not what I said. I said, yuck. <laughs> I didn't say you said anything. That was all questions. I didn't say, I didn't assign no, I you I built in assumptions anything. into your questions. <laughs> I see you working. What's <laughs> <laughs> but Devin Lloyd, sure, he's going to go down already, man, as one of the all-timers, if not the all-timer, particularly if he has a game in the Rose Bowl like he had in the Pac-12 title game. Wow, man, he was sensational. He's been sensational for the last few years for sure. I, I expect he'll have man. a big impact. I don't know if you can plan on the pick six. I, I got that. I understand. But, it, but if, I'm saying if he does, which wouldn't surprise us. Or, you know, he didn't even need to pick six. I mean, just a big interception or whatnot. I mean, obviously, that was a great play. Big six. Big, big, uh, maybe a big sack. Maybe a strip sack, something sure. like that. Who I knows, mean, right? Any number of things yeah. that he's capable of doing. But a uh, good thing for Shroud, recognizing that Devin Lloyd is just an unbelievable player. I mean, you can argue, and I always have recency bias when he do this, but you can argue that he's the finest defensive player uh, that's come out of that school. And certainly in a good long time and in the state. And I know uh, we would go to Wagner. And Wagner was good at Utah State. But I think he's been way better in the NFL. I mean, Hall of Fame, good. And I wouldn't have projected that coming out of Utah State. You would never project a 10-year career. That's what he's done. He's yeah. put together a phenomenal, fen- absolutely phenomenal NFL career. And the, just you couldn't ask for anything more out of a linebacker than what Wagner's given you. And that's the way I feel about Devin Lloyd at the collegiate level. You can't really ask for anything more. One of the things Matt said was the Ohio State linebacking crew, not the best group they've had there for the Buckeyes. And what does that mean as they try to slow down the Ute running game or can they be exploited in pass coverage? But, boy, if there was one group he was down on, that was the group. Even lift the door open for the young receivers to step in and make plays. Not that you're going to have another Olave, but that doesn't mean that a young guy isn't ready to make a big play or two. I mean, Bobby Carpenter is not walking through that door. (laughs) What? Nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? I'll just throw that out there. I really mean that. (laughs) You do not. (laughs) A.J. Hawk is not walking through that door. Oh, A.J. Hawk. Now you're talking. 
Uh, Andy Katzenmoyer is not walking Ooh, through that door. Good pull right there. I remember Andy Katzenmoyer because at the time I was uh, associated with Andy Katz a lot more than I am now. And I used to call him Andy Katzenmoyer. I thought it was funny. He just added the Moyer to Andy Katz. And what did you come up there with? You, you came up with Andy Katzenmoyer. And if you, if you knew Andy, he wasn't really built like uh, an elite linebacker. No, but, you know, Andy Katzenmoyer, he surprised us. Plus, <laughs> I just like saying Andy Katzenmoyer. Rose Bowl coming up in three days. We had a full bowl schedule yesterday, full bowl schedule today. We were missing one game yesterday. No holiday bowl. UCLA withdrew just hours before the game with NC State. And after they jackhammered all those seats out of the baseball stadium to squeeze in a football field. Well, I have to wait for another year. Then they don't have – well, could they go back and play it in the other stadium, though? Uh, they could, but I don't think they want to. I think they want it oh, to they be down. I think okay. they want it to be down on the water by the hotels and have everything be walkable. Okay, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, sure. they, could, they could move it out there. Uh, but when we were down there, when the Utes were playing in the game, uh, one of the Holiday Bowl officials was talking about that, that the long-term okay. plan was for the baseball stadium. Why they didn't do that so San Diego State could play there for two years instead of driving up to L.A. is a great question, but San Diego's always been a little dysfunctional in that regard. So <laughs> San Diego State got to commute to Carson. Ah, well, it's over now. Yep. They went 12-2 and two this year. So, Although I just saw this morning that their quarterback is entering the, uh, the transfer, transfer portal. portal. Yeah, and that confused me because I thought he was listed as a senior. But maybe oh, the whole COVID days. thing. I know. That's what I thought. I thought, did yeah. the COVID thing, did I mess up with him? Um, but, yeah, he is. He's in the, uh, he's in the transfer the transfer portal, and he threw it great. They, they struggled to throw all year. And then in the bowl game, suddenly, you know, 300 yards and, you know, shades of Eric Coriel. Good. Maybe he'll come to Utah. Keeping an eye on the Big 12 and the Pac-12, uh, UCLA, there's a Pac-12 game lost. Try again tonight. Oregon is playing tonight, and it's Oregon and Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. So it's Pac-12 versus Big 12. A couple of teams who had grander plans in the Alamo Bowl, but there they are. And two teams that don't have their coaches. Yep. <laughs> Both took off. Had good jobs, but thought they could get better jobs. So Oregon loses their coach to Miami, and Oklahoma loses their coach to USC. I wonder how long the bowls are going to exist. I think people like watching football, so I think they continue to exist. The stadiums are expensive, and they need dates. They need events in them. The TV networks have time to fill, and if 3 million people are going to watch a football game, then the game's going to be played. And if they're played with lame duck coaches and with players opting out, if 3 million people watch, then they're going to keep playing the games. Okay, even with a 12-team playoff. Well, that, see, what it, I think what it comes down to is, well, the, appet- the appetite for the fan to go to the game, that's already faded big time. There are some bowls. You know, Auburn was playing in Birmingham yesterday. The game was on in the day, so you and I had time to watch it. Houston beat Auburn 17-13. But Auburn yeah. fans pretty well filled the place. That looked decent. But there have been a lot of bowl games that look like they have five or 10,000 people at the game. The, the San Diego State game. Well, watching them and, you know, the quarterback throw for 300 yards before he transferred. It was at the soccer stadium in Frisco, Texas, where Dallas plays. And the thing seats 20,000, and it was not half full. So there, there weren't 10,000 butts in seats at the game. However many tickets were distributed or issued or no-shows or all that stuff aside, whatever the number in the box score is, if you're watching the game, the place wasn't half full. I was not watching the game. 
You're killing me. Thanks. Thanks for the moral support. Come on, watch the Mountain West. Let's go. I was not watching the game. There was the Jazz must have been playing that night. I know that there was because I was looking at you tweeting on this dumb game, thinking, "Hey What's now, he doing? Yeah, connected with my San Diego State the, peeps. I know, but how could you have the passion of a fan this long into the business? It's a Christmas it's, miracle. It's, it, it really is. <laughs> because you talk to people who've been in the business as long as we have. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, I, can, I can tell you, it, I like to watch them and I like to watch them, but it's not, it's not at all what I had 15 or 20 years ago. And it's certainly not what I had 30 years ago. I mean, there's no way. So, I mean, I like to watch them, but it doesn't have the same zip it used to. It's watered well, down, glad, but it's still know, there. It connects you with Grandpa Alfred. That's, that's good. That's really what it does, except that that's not his name. Texas Tech blew out Mississippi State 34-7. to But as you pointed out earlier, Mississippi State was a little shorthanded, but that's a Big 12 team right there to keep an eye on. And Minnesota beat West Virginia 18-6. to Another Big 12 team to keep your eye on. So, a couple of bowl games there. Houston, the future of Big 12 team. Yeah, you're good at that. <laughs> Clemson, Iowa State, and the Cheez-Its Bowl today, 345 on ESPN. That's another Big 12 team to keep your eye on. And we were just talking jazz. We just had uh, Mike Smith on. It's the Jazz and the Blazers tonight. And it really looks like it's set up for a Jazz win, which is exactly when they tend to lose. So because it looks better than ever, it's probably more dangerous than ever. So, you know, there's another thing. To no, but that's only on. at home. This game's not at home, right? It is not. It's a road game there in Portland. Uh, Portland. They don't is, lose road games. They, they haven't. They won seven in a row. They're eleven and three, which is tied for the second best road record in the NBA right now. Uh, the Nets are thirteen and three on the road. They got the best record. And the Suns are all. They just stun us by losing road home, home games, games that we anticipate we them winning. Yeah. I really think it just comes down to them losing their heads. They've had the talent to win most of these games. And you could argue the talent to win all of them. Maybe not at Miami. The most understandable loss of the year. Miami's pretty good, and Miami's at home. So, okay, Miami got you. But a lot of these games, you just you know the Jazz are the better team, but they just didn't get it done that night. Well, yeah, there's, there's going to be 15, 20 of those a year, practically. Every team. As Mike pointed out, January will get very intriguing because they'll start to play some of the better teams in the West. Two games each with the Nuggets and the Warriors and the Suns. So we'll see Depending on availability, teams. though, we don't know what's ahead that, here. That is true, and there it's are not players. Trending well. There are players coming and going. I've been told the NBA is anticipating that this is like a storm, a fast moving storm blowing through, and it'll be different by mid January. But between now right. and then, who knows? Right. Well, that's only two weeks. I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Algier announced that he is going pro. He broke Luke Staley's single-season rushing record at BYU this year, 1,601 yards, 23 touchdowns rushing, tops in the country, and he is off to the NFL to seek fame and fortune. Well, he's got a fair amount of fame here, but NFL, everything's on a bigger stage. But the walk-on, who was a linebacker, who was then the star running back, that's a heck of a story. And now can he write one more chapter? Oh, I think he can, yeah. I would have to think that he's going to make the NFL. And so, you know, if he doesn't get injured, probably, man, start, shoot, play for five years. And if you get five, shoot for ten. And then anything beyond ten in the NFL, man, you're just... And as a running back, get to... What, what's the number of games for the pension? That's the number all the young guys are trying to get to? 
30-something. 37 34 or something like that. Trevor Riley explained it to me one day. Yeah. uh, Went through the whole thing about all that stuff. uh, And I think he said you've got to get into the games, 37 of them, I want to say. So, but yeah, if you can, you can get all that stuff. That's great. Yeah. I knew guys who were in that situation, local guys, because they've told me, got to that, got an injury or got a second injury to the same original injury and just said, no, uh, this is ridiculous here. And, but they already had the, the, the pension. Hmm. Uh, and so they said, I'm, I'm good because I've achieved what the original goal was and the second rehab, the first was hard enough and now I'm three years older or whatever it is. This isn't going to work as far as me playing this game. And they've they've hung it up. I mean, multiple guys have told me that. And you can understand why they would do that. Okay, so... Uh, because... Go ahead. The NFLPA's own website, I just looked this up, says that uh, after two credited seasons, you get a severance payment, which is a lump sum payment once you are out of the league. Three yeah. full seasons played. So that'd be, uh, what, 16, 16... Well, now 17 games. So once you play, complete three full seasons worth of games, you are fully vested for a pension after that point so well root for all the lo- root for all the local guys who are close right so that's Push what, them over the edge 51 games or so you, I think you have to get in you do you have to play you have to have played three seasons worth of games yeah you have to yeah you're not just standing there no uh, so yeah that, that's important for that those guys yeah I don't, so I don't know what kind of money that is but once that's a, awesome once a player has been on an active roster for three years they become fully vested so you have to make that 53 man roster DJ and PK that's some of the highlights of what we've hit this morning you can get the entire show wherever you get your podcast iTunes Stitcher Google Play uh, y'all can give you a bunch more sites but they're everywhere wherever you get podcasts we're there alright Anything you missed in the show, you can catch up right now. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, your feedback, a lot of responses to the question of the day. If Utah wins the Rose Bowl, where does it rank all time? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Question of the day. If the Utes win the Rose Bowl, where would it rank among the program's all-time accomplishments? Matt's is second behind Jorgensen's 55-yard field goal in 93 to beat BYU. (laughs) Bigger than that. Charles says anyone who says the Fiesta Bowl is not number one is wrong. The Fiesta Bowl set up everything that's happened since then. This will be number two, showing that we have the juice to compete and win with everyone. I don't think... Isn't that why it would be number one? Because you have the juice to compete with everyone? If it shows the win that shows you have the juice to compete and win with everyone... The Fiesta Bowl, that's uh, kind of almost an afterthought, isn't it? Wasn't it Trump by the Sugar? No. Yeah, and Pitt was eight and Boise three. was the first yeah. BCS buster. Pitt was 8-3 and three and won a league that in a few years wasn't even going to exist. Right. With a coach who'd already moved on.
Chris says it has to be number one, especially considering the adversity this team faced this year. It's more than just football. Had to overcome the deaths of two teammates. Right, yeah. When you put that put on the plate, what other season, what other game has that? Well, the worst start they've had in the Pac-12. That's that's crazy. The worst start they had in the Pac-12, losing to BYU for the first time in the Pac-12, and you still then of all seasons win the conference? That doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And yet here they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deservedly so. So no matter how much people tell you it's about recruiting, and it is, pick the best team, you still got to coach guys up and guys still have to be able to get it done. And they have to eliminate mental mistakes. And you got to make sure you pick the right players and you can go on down the line. Guys have to be coached up and they do have to get, them, they do have to get better every week. It also explains the importance of the conference season. It's just simply more important than the non-conference season. And it's sometimes guys need to play games and make mistakes before they can be their best. Or they could be exposed as not being good enough. In the case of the quarterback. Wrong guy. Yeah. Should have played the other guy. Can it, can it uh, show that a team isn't good enough? Ohio State, for as high-flying as they are and as much as they dominated some people, they got beat by Oregon. And Utah they beat did. Oregon twice. But, I mean, that's... So long ago. Th- that, that doesn't happen. matter. Utah any, lost to Oregon State. That doesn't matter any more than the Utes' losses. I, I, I almost think that, uh, in fact, I do think that you have to allow a team to stink one given Saturday. We don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. Well, it's and happened to everybody, everybody but Cincinnati. Yeah. In, in the conference season, I think it happened against Oregon State. It just it wasn't their day. All right. There you go. So you went 9-1 uh, and one in conference. Still pretty good. 9-1 <laughs> counting that conference title game, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, more people weighing in here. <laughs> I love the optimism of JH. <laughs> Don't you mean when they win the Rose Ball? And then it'll be number one because it's the granddaddy. Three exclamation points. I would go four exclamation points. I, would get, I think he shortchanged the exclamation points. Mario, careful how you guys word the question. You might offend the sensitive fans. I know. See, there's so many of them. Jeez, and, they, and they all think we're against them. If they only knew the truth. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, we've either told them or told them 80% of it and hinted at the rest. But, hey, it's more fun to be the victim. It really is, yeah. It's a, it's a national badge of honor now, especially in fandom. Everyone's against us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's if that's what you want, and to think there's a local media, could you imagine some of these people who actually lived in a media market that was harsh? And I put myself right at the top of the list, so I'm not calling out anybody that doesn't include me. We're not exactly harsh here. We can explain until we're blue in the face how much winning local teams are good for business. They're literally good for our paycheck. Sure, I noticed you said blue. Yeah, of course. <laughs> or red in the face. 
But if I get red in the face, you'd tell me, what are you getting all amped up for? You're not going to convince them anyway. And you know what? That's know. true. We're You're not right. going to convince them. We can We're tell not. them over and over again. Great ratings Saturday. Great ratings Sunday. Great ratings the night of the Pac-12 title game and the night after. On and on and on. On and on and on. Yak was just saying some download record. Are we suddenly a lot better than we used to be? Or are there you grads in Arizona and California and people here no. who are commuting, listening at home, downloading the show because the team is winning? Oh, I think for you individually, you're going to get Sportscast of the Year. It's because you had one hell of a year. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, it'll be Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Remember, Jazz game tonight here on The Zone. Tips off at 8 o'clock, and Scotty G has got the Aggie game this afternoon. Air Force, Mountain West Conference opener, 12.30 the pregame, 1 o'clock tip-off. That's on 1280 The Zone. Our regularly scheduled shows will be here on 97.5 The Zone. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben are next.